0: Hi, this is Larry Wilson, and this is How to Talk to Humans. This is the podcast that shows you how to improve your communication skills. Are you looking to get a better job? Are you looking to find a relationship? Are you trying to do things in your life that have frustrated you and eluded you so far? I can show you so easily how to change that. Now, I can only do it with humans. If you're looking to deal with vampires or zombies, extraterrestrials, this is not the show for you. But if you're really looking to improve your communication skills, I can show you what I've learned from 40 years in show business working with the biggest celebrities and superstars in the world, and their secrets are unbelievable. What I'm going to be teaching you during the course of this podcast every week are tools that you can use to communicate toward success. Hi, I'm Larry Wilson. Thanks again for joining me for this episode of How to Talk to Humans. I have an interesting question for everyone listening today. Are you the sledgehammer or are you the scalpel? Both of them are very, very effective tools. With the sledgehammer, of course, we're talking more brute strength. You just go in there and start swinging, smashing things up. The scalpel, of course, is a little bit more delicate, a little bit more precise, a little bit more careful. They're both good. They both can achieve what you want. But the question I want you to think about seriously here when it comes to your communication skills is whether it seems easier for you to be the big, uh, powerful, assertive act of sledgehammering and smashing things indiscriminately, or the more delicate and nuanced act of the surgeon's scalpel. A lot of people have great success with the sledgehammer. It gets things done. And you may be able to take charge of, you. for example, if you have a small business of your own. You can step in and fire everyone or demand changes in protocol, or how your systems are employed. But overall, I think you may find you have more success with the scalpel's approach because it requires less energy on your part. And there's less ancillary damage that's caused by swinging wildly with this huge hammer. Sometimes people who like the sledgehammer think, doesn't matter, I'm going to get things done. And and they're right, they do get things done. But sometimes you wind up with a lot of extra damage that you weren't counting on, that doesn't help you, And in fact, may create more problems for you down the line. The scalpel, of course, requires planning and forethought. You can't just go in slicing and dicing haphazardly. You have to have a plan. Well, in Wilson Method, that's what I talk about when I talk about determining your goal. It's not as exciting, I understand. Very exciting to be Conan the Barbarian with some gigantic hammer, and you just, or I guess more up to date is a Thor with his hammer, just swinging it, smashing. That's very exciting. It makes a great uh, cartoon drama, you know? But I'm not so invested in what things look like. I'm much more invested in the results that you can achieve with the least amount of effort and the least amount of pain and the best outcome for you. The scalpel requires planning, and the scalpel also requires a serious consideration of what you're doing, why you want to do it, what it is you want to do, how you're going to do it. But all those things you can do on your own, and they cost you nothing to do. I think of so many people I worked with in entertainment, and I can't think, I'm racking my brain now trying to think of a single example of one who preferred the sledgehammer approach. Now, there are a lot of them in management, in entertainment. I, I can think of a whole stadium full of managers and agents uh, who would just come in swinging without a second thought because I think their plan was well, I'm going to create havoc here, chaos. And then I'll come back later and sort of clean up, and we'll see who's left standing. We'll see who survived the onslaught of my aggression. I can never say with certainty that that's not the way to do it. I can only tell you what my experience has been. And in my experience, that seemed like a fast way to go about things, but not a very elegant Or efficient way. It's just appealing to people who I'm inclined to say like to shoot from the hip. People who don't want to be bothered to think what's my goal here? What am I trying to do? I think in particular of one guy I knew and and you will notice I suspect those of you who have been with me here for quite some time If I don't mention someone by name, it's probably because I don't want to embarrass them. So I sometimes speak uh, elliptically about them so that it's not exactly clear who I may be referring to. But there was a guy I knew who was on television, and as is so frequently the case in entertainment it's very easy to become seduced by the entertainment business. When you're successful, when you're making money, when you're well-known, everyone wants to be your friend. Everyone uh, has a fantastic offer for you of some kind or other. They want to help you out. They want to do these things for you. Then when you're, less successful, when you're less famous, making less money, then they may not have time for you at all. But I saw how some of these people in management would go in without taking even a moment to curb their temper and think about, what is my goal here? The person I was referring to was a performer, was not in management. But he started to believe some of his own press. And, you know, the nature of show business, um, sometimes people say you need to be able to read the room. Some people are really good at that. Some people are frighteningly bad at it. You almost can't believe that they could survive as long as they did. In the old days, before there was social media, there were people whose jobs it was just to cover up the messes that stars had made. Sometimes, I was front and center and would see these horrible messes that they had created, and they were oblivious to them. They were in there, swinging that sledgehammer, smashing everything in sight, laughing like a maniac. And they were not aware of the people who came in behind them trying to fix things is the best word that comes to mind. I don't mean to suggest anything illegal. I just mean sometimes it was with nice words. Sometimes it was with gifts or money, but it was to take up the slack. I remember uh, one person in particular who worked for a big star. And the big star was actually a very pleasant and charming fellow, but he never, ever left gratuities in restaurants. He just, I don't know whether he didn't know it was customary to leave a tip, or he thought it was the pleasure of being able to serve him and wait on him, that that should be enough for them, that they should be delighted by that. I don't know. But there was somebody who, who one of his jobs, this fellow, was to sort of follow in that big star's wake, and he was the guy who would step back with some cash and say, oh, so-and-so wanted to make sure you got this and uh, really thanked you. So, this kind of thing goes on all the time in show business. Uh, earlier, I started to refer to a guy who was on television and started to believe his own Press thought he could do no wrong. This, of course, is why I think it's so important for you to be able to read. Because if you read, you'll quickly learn that human nature is basically unchanged over millennia. Yes, we become more sophisticated about things like technology, and we've created spaceships to travel to the moon and all that sort of thing. But our basic human nature is very similar to how it has always been. And again, I think this is good news because it means if you learn advanced communication skills to be able to convey your message to other human beings, it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter how successful you are at business. It doesn't matter how attractive you are. None of that is really a concern. The question is, are you trying to talk to humans? If you are, the things that I learned in dealing with these huge stars remains valid and unchanged. I suspect they were the same a hundred years ago, 500 years ago, a thousand years ago. I think it's one of the reasons why we enjoy certain stories that stand the test of time. Myths and legends and fairy tales. I think there's some elements of them that are passed down through generations. Really, the core of the story unchanged. Sometimes the outward trappings have changed i think of um i don't know why this jumped into my mind but i think of the western movie of the magnificent 7 and of course the uh, magnificent 7 is simply a cowboy version of akira kurosawa's uh samurai classic seven samurai it's the same story of these guys who get together to fight injustice and they accumulate on, they all have different skills. It's the same story. But I think sometimes, I mean, I can, I can think of, it, actually thinking of Akira Kurasawam makes me think of, uh, even better story. Um, in the sixties, um, a Italian film director saw a film of Akira Kurosawa's um, Yojimbo, a samurai film about uh, a samurai. Uh, we never learn his name, the samurai, but he comes to a village where there's some merchants who are fighting with gamblers. and There's two factions. And they both try to hire the samurai to uh, help their side. And he winds up selling his services to both sides and pitting them against each other. And there's all kinds of wild drama that happens in this. And this Italian filmmaker, Sergio Leone, saw this samurai film in Japanese and said, Oh my God, this is incredible. But this isn't a samurai film. This is a cowboy film. This is a Western film. And so, Sergio Leone recreated this story as a Western. The hero is a man with no name. He comes to a town where ranchers are fighting against farmers. And they both try to hire this man with no name, this gunslinger, to defend them and to take their side. And he winds up selling his services to both sides. And he pits them against each other. It's the exact same story. And this, of course, is the film that made a huge international star out of Clint Eastwood called For a Fistful of Dollars. Well, there's a reason that these... Stories get passed along, and you may think, oh, well, bet Akira Kurosawa was very angry when he saw what Sergio Leone had done with his story. No, Kurosawa didn't care, because Kurosawa had taken it from Dashiell Hammett's Red Harvest, which was a 1930s pulp fiction story about a detective whose name we never learn, who comes to a small mining town where gangsters are pitted against union men. And they both hire this detective to help them their side. And he sells his services to both sides. And he pits them against each other. It's the same story. It wasn't a movie. It was a, what used to be called a dime novel. It was... Pulp Fiction, not the movie Pulp Fiction, but real Pulp Fiction. Gritty, dark, full of action and violence and sex. Akira Kurosawa read that novel, read Harvest and said, oh, this isn't a gangster movie, this is a samurai movie. The point is, all these stories appeal to us and become evergreen. They last forever because there's elements of them that we really enjoy. And I think if you consider the idea of sledgehammer versus scalpel, you will see that less damage is done with a scalpel in the hands of a highly skilled expert. And that's what I want you to become when you learn the Wilson method. The element here that I think is so important is that certain stories appeal to us because human nature is unchanged. That's why these stories are handed down as far back as recorded time. And Because human nature doesn't change, the question of whether you are the sledgehammer or the scalpel becomes very, very important. As far back as we can go in recorded times, there have always been people who thought the most expedient way was to wade in swinging that hammer, smash everything in sight. And then we'll go back later and see who's left standing, see what we can clean up. It probably was the same a thousand years ago, two thousand, three thousand years ago. Nothing has changed. I believe that's the reason these stories from as far back as the Iliad and the Odyssey still appeal to us because nothing. Has changed. But if we are to refer to the Iliad and the Odyssey, we see certain characters who triumph and survive are the ones who use their wits. And that's the scalpel. The ones who think about what it is they're trying to accomplish what is their goal now these characters in these stories uh rarely are talking about communication because it's much less dramatic to uh, show an image of someone sitting at a desk with their chin on their fist as they're thinking about something it's just not very exciting much more exciting to see thor swing that hammer and you know smash down an entire city But the analogy I think is apt that as far back as the Iliad and the Odyssey we're thinking of the characters who make a plan and use their wits of uh, Odysseus telling the Cyclops that his name is No Man so that when he jabs a spear into the cyclops's eye and the cyclops is howling. And people say, what's the matter? Who's hurting you? He says, no man is hurting me. Now, did this really happen? I don't know. I wasn't there, but I suspect there was no cyclops. I think this is just a a tale that illustrates to us that, The aggressive, bold, hammer-swinging individual is not the most powerful. The most powerful who has the greatest results are those who make a plan, think through what they want to achieve, and then use a minimum of effort and a maximum of expertise in the skills they're wielding. Thanks again for joining me here on this podcast. I hope that if you find this valuable, you'll share it with your friends, family, enemies, anyone you care to share it with, because I'd like to reach the largest audience I possibly can. The response so far has been enormously gratifying, and I thank you for joining me. I hope you'll be with me, next week for another episode of How to Talk to Humans. This has been Larry Wilson. I want to thank you for spending this time with me, and I hope you found this information useful. If you're looking for more, you can find it at thewilsonmethod.com. There's a ton of stuff there. In fact, if you want, you can even speak to me, because I'm human. Send me an email at info at wilsonmethod.com because I read every single one I hope that you'll join us next week in this continuing journey and you'll be with me for the next episode of How to Talk to Humans